0: Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Open World Podcast. This is going to be an exciting one. I'm really thrilled because I'm joined by Jeremy Ginsberg. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. So Jeremy here is a digital nomad. He's a freelance writer, videographer, and he speaks five languages. And he's the author of a new book called Faking Fame, which is the story of how he became uh, semi-famous in Vietnam. He's currently living in Ho Chi Minh City where he's been uh, acting in reality TV shows on local television He's been in Ho Chi Minh City for two and a half years and uh, just kind of arrived, you know, with, uh, I don't know, how much did you have in your pocket when you arrived? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a good question. I think I had a couple different currencies because I came straight from Cambodia, but I have to say 50 cents or so, <laughs> okay. dollars. The rest was in, you know, in the bank. I, I had to get an ATM.
0: Okay, but you arrived and you had like no idea what you were going to do. You were just kind of figuring everything out. And uh, what did you do? I mean, tell me. That's
1: right. So, so when I first came, it was to originally teach English. Okay. After graduating university, I wanted to travel the world and teaching English was the best option uh, that I could find to do that. And so when I first landed, I had this idea in the back of my mind that, you know, I always wanted to get into entertainment and I always felt like traveling could allow me to express myself and chase some passions that I might not have time for in the United States so in the back of my head, I always wanted to perform and learn the language and get up on stage and be on TV. And all of that kind of came together as I started just chipping away at it. And then eventually, I stopped teaching English to freelance on the side. And that gave me more time to focus on the things that I enjoy and pursue interesting endeavors as well.
0: Okay, so you kind of started out, you had really no idea where your life was going to take, what direction your life was going to take, because you're from Minneapolis, right? And um, I think you said you studied economics, right? So you went from economics to teaching, to writing, to acting. Were you, just, <laughs> were you just kind of like, I just want to like see what's out there waiting for me and just kind of like throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. What was your, take me back to, to when you just kind of like decided to leave the US.
1: Yeah, well, like I think a lot of college kids these days, They I got stressed out my senior year. I thought I had to figure everything out. You know, and just like one click and one interview and decide the rest of my life then and there. But at one point I just went through this phase where I like, told myself I was I found a profession. One week I was going to be a, a basketball coach, like a college basketball coach. That's what I wanted to be. The next week I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. So I just kept changing my mind and I would tell everybody like it was this big public service. announcement. was like, hey, I figured it out. I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then as soon as I traveled, I realized that it doesn't really work like that. And sometimes you think you want something, but then you get a job and after a couple of weeks you go bored of it or you don't like it or the passion fades. So. At that point, I kind of just figured I'd try things that I liked and enjoyed because it's just as important to learn about what you don't want to do as it is to learn about what you do want to do. So every time I was doing something, if I didn't enjoy it, I could cross it off the list and know that it wasn't for me. And in doing that, I just started to get attracted to things that were more fun and exciting. And at that time, traveling was most important. So I wanted to teach English and then kind of chased opportunities from there.
0: When you were in school, were you kind of like the the class goofball or like the prankster, you know, who just wasn't, didn't take himself too seriously like that? In a
1: way, yes. I would say I was always like number two or three in line because I was smart enough to know that like if I'm the number one goofball, then the teacher won't like me. But if I'm like two or three, (laughs) I can still like make jokes and goof off and and whatnot. And plus, because I wasn't the worst, like I was also smart. So I could like participate in class and add value, but also make people laugh and just be a jokester.
0: (laughs) Doesn't, so you don't like take yourself too seriously. I get the impression that you're not – you didn't want to have to try to figure out the next 20, 30 years of your life.
1: No, because mm-hmm. I actually – I thought that I, I had to do that and I thought I had it figured out. I wanted to have like a travel TV show and then I, I ended up traveling and tried to start a blog and failed doing that and realized that I don't like traveling unless I'm with people that I care about and friends and it's got to be a specific you know, type of environment. It's more about the people. And in doing that, it was kind of a wake up call. It's like, hey, you don't need to figure everything out. Just take it one step at a time.
0: Yeah, that's great. So, how did you get involved in this uh, path that you're on now? I mean, I met you, when I met you, you were interested in doing videography. I think you were just kind of starting out because you wanted to download Adobe After Effects. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I, and and I never did. <laughs> and then you just started making videos. You had no, no training in, in this, did you? Or you just, you just decided you wanted to do it and. Uh, and how did you get picked up by like a Vietnamese reality show? Well, both of those
1: kind of, were kind of like separate paths, but okay. I just enjoyed videography and I had this idea that, okay, I love traveling and I like entertaining people so that my ideal job is going to be a travel TV show. It's perfect. You're like, boom, you know, write it down. It's in the, it's in the books. And then I had to start thinking like, okay, what's this travel show about? Why would people watch me, et cetera? And as that... I realized that hiring a, a videographer is pretty expensive. So I kind of had to figure out how to make videos because I wanted to be on video. But as I did that, it was a great learning experience. And I, I think that was the first time I really taught myself from scratch. It's like just learn by doing. And once you get that confidence, you realize that it applies to anywhere in your life. If you can just learn how to learn, then it's probably the best skill you can have. And so I kind of transferred over to guitar And at the same time, I was playing music and making some money here in Ho Chi Minh City. And eventually, the opportunity kind of just landed in my lap. I had been learning Vietnamese, but not really seriously, just speaking to locals and trying to make them laugh and making friends. And then one day, there's a Facebook post looking for a foreigner to go on a reality TV show. And my brother tagged me in it. And it just kind of all went downhill from there. (laughs) Not it, downhill. Sorry. That that, that implies <laughs> that it was bad. That's where everything took off.
0: It always starts with some Facebook post, it seems like Yeah, it all that's what I'm saying. It's like it all started with a Facebook post. <laughs> so I guess you just have to hope that someone tags you or just be in the right place at the right time, or was this like a, a posting in a group or just like No, nah, I
1: mean, it it was just random was awesome. they they really needed a foreigner. Mm. This this reality TV show had been going on for seven years. And I think the ratings were down or something. So they're trying to figure out, all right, let's make it, let's make it special. We're going to have a foreigner on the show. So this is like <laughs> a huge deal, right? But keep in mind, this is a very Vietnamese show. Not in the sense that like it's weird or I'm trying to be racist or anything. Just the fact that the demographic is Vietnamese. like It's not geared towards Westerners or foreigners. So they had – it was a big task for them to f- try to find a foreigner to participate because nobody who works for the company or represents them – comes in contact with many foreigners. So I kind of happened just to be in the right place at the right time. And I don't want to brag, but I rocked the interview because when I showed up, I had all these videos be like, look, I traveled here, here's me rapping, here's me playing guitar. It was kind of like I'm this TV personality and they were very attracted to that. So it definitely
0: helped. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And it sounds like you were prepared. And when you came to in the interview, you were just like already the rock star. You, you showed that you were so overqualified for this that they could not, not hire you. Th-
1: that's that's true. But it, like- it was funny because at the beginning of the interview, I tried mm-hmm. to like get them to want me. I was like, this would be sweet. I get to go on a reality <laughs> show. Maybe I'll get famous. And then halfway through, it starts to turn into this negotiation where they're just like – trying to get me to sign now and like I'm trying to tell them how many phone calls I need and I need like 30 minutes a day at a loan time to exercise and they were just trying to get me to to commit to that as soon as possible.
0: <laughs> I love it. So I've had a lot of these opportunities come in my life and it's awesome when it happens. I mean a lot of them get away obviously but um, you know I've, I've been wanting to do like certain things like public speaking or you know acting sounds fun too. Like what would you I mean knowing what you know now about what you've done and um, you know, with your experience, how would you find these opportunities? You know, where would you go and look for them? I would say at first,
1: the most important thing is to pick one. I wouldn't say if you're like, oh, I want to get into dancing but also playing guitar and also like be in a movie. You know, it starts with one and I think with most entertainment, not for everything, but if you're performing, the skills are going to transfer. So if you're playing piano for a band and you want to be a public speaker, like that experience is going to help you because you'll be used to crowds in front of people. Maybe you'll say something on the mic. So I would start with one. And depending on what that is, I would look for a community nearby or where you're living, ideally, and just connect, get connected with them. That's what I've done with music. That's what I've done with comedy. That's what I've done even with learning Vietnamese and From there, hopefully you can find some genuine people that will really take you under their wing and kind of show you the ropes or help you out or show you where to be. But once you can get in that circle, then I think the rest is just going to fall into place once you have the right friends, people around you, supporting you.
0: So a good place to start is looking in like uh, meetup groups or Facebook groups and just kind of going out and meeting people?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it really depends. If I'm trying to dance, though, I would show up Thursday night, salsa night at the bar down the street. You know, it's like you just show up there. Because, like, like you said, luck is preparation meets opportunity. You're not going to become a great salsa dancer watching YouTube videos for your entire life. Maybe it'll help you a little bit, but eventually you just got to put yourself in the right place, meet the right people. Maybe you just find this girl. She swings you around and teaches you something. Next thing you know, she introduces you to your friends. Next thing you know, you have a group of salsa dancers as friends. So if it's for comedy, like you go to the stand-up comedy nights. If you're trying to be a musician, go to the open jams. I mean, unless it's something, even if it's online, you can still find a community and start to participate and find uh, people who are doing that already.
0: Okay, Jeremy, I did learn how to do capoeira from YouTube videos. Uh, so I want to dispute your claim there. But I, but I don't know how good YouTube I am. Only <laughs> YouTube videos? Did you ever go, did, have you ever practiced though? Um, I mean, I've been to Brazil, but I, I didn't take any capoeira classes when I was there. But uh, I, I studied the YouTube videos and kind of just learned a little bit that way. Uh, but I, I don't know how good I am. I wouldn't say that I'm a professional. <laughs> right. I mean,
1: I, and my point is, I'm sure you got a lot better doing that. But if you only do that, then you're not even gonna be used to dancing. And what's the what's the point if you can of learning how to dance if you don't actually go out and dance, you know? So I'm saying it's good to practice right. outside the classroom, but for you you gotta be in the real world, you know, dancing with people. Otherwise unless your goal is to just be a good dancer and make videos.
0: <laughs>
1: but I mean, I don't know. You don't, actually, you could strike me as a guy who would just like go viral on, on YouTube for some dancing, maybe <laughs> dance videos while traveling the world or something.
0: I, I thought about it, but you know, I don't know how I would monetize though. And actually, I want to uh, I, I want to take this conversation a couple of different directions. But first, I want to start with, because uh, we're on an interesting topic here. You, you mentioned that earlier at about seven minutes in this call where you said, um, learning how to learn is the best skill that you can have and we just talked about not learning from uh, YouTube videos but what, what do you recommend like what's your process for uh, mastering something you know like getting uh, I wouldn't say like maybe the lifelong master but you know like getting better than most people because um, you, I've seen a video of you where you're, you're on this reality show and you're speaking in Vietnamese you seem really fluent you're entertaining a group of a uh, Vietnamese audience, um, do you have like an approach that you take to learning new skills, learning languages, learning uh, acting, comedy, all these things? Can you walk me through that? A,
1: that's a very good question. I would say at the beginning when I was just getting started, I didn't really think of it as, oh, I'm learning a new skill. It was more like, I have a goal, I have a place that I want to be, and learning the skill is going to help me get there. So for Vietnamese, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to study for 10 minutes a day and have note cards and meet with the teacher. It's just like, I want to be Viet famous. Like, I'm not kidding. That's exactly what I wanted. And how do I get that? Like I become really good at Vietnamese and I start singing in Vietnamese and telling jokes in Vietnamese and making people laugh in Vietnamese and being entertaining in Vietnamese. But in order to do that, I got to get better at Vietnamese. So keeping the angle in mind, I think is very important. And after that, what I'm learning now as, as a creative professional, having too many projects on your plate at once can hold you back from progress. So I think that it's important to pick one or two or at least map out your priorities so you are aware of exactly where your priorities are and what's important for you and what you're working towards at that time. And just dedicate a specific amount of time every day to that and just every day make a little bit of progress. Every day just get a little bit better. So whatever it's 30 minutes or an hour or even 10 minutes, I think if you do that with any skill, you'll be surprised how much you can advance in a short period of time.
0: I love it. So the first part is being motivated and realizing that the skill that you're acquiring is the arrow. It's not the target. It helps you hit the target. Um, So learning Vietnamese for you was the arrow that helped you hit the target of being as you say, be famous. Two is, focus is very important. Be able to to focus, not spread yourself too thin. And then the third is repetition and persistence. Right, exactly.
1: And there's so much more to that. For example, if you love to suck, then you're going to get really good at a lot of things because the hardest part is when you're just getting started and you're really bad. So when I first started playing guitar, I actually did a show and I was like super nervous. I was embarrassed and I did a horrible job, but... I saw that as a practice. It's like every time I'm getting on stage and playing guitar, I'm just getting a little bit better rather than trying to tell yourself that you have to be at a certain point in order to do it because no matter what the skill is, maybe you're going to have beginner's luck and be decent. But if you can suck at something and not be discouraged from that, then you're going to be unstoppable.
0: Okay, awesome. So that's your attitude too. So like two people might look at that same event. You you looked at – you were really bad. You went on stage. You were really bad. But you use that as motivation to get better. Um, exactly. And other, other people might, you know, they might dance or they might play an instrument and they're really bad at it and they're like, oh, I suck. I'll never do this again. You know, this is too hard. Uh, so, so how you frame that event uh, when you're, you're struggling, when you're learning is really important.
1: Right. That okay. is extremely true. But I also think it's like I talked about before, being around people that are supportive because I think that really helps your attitude. If you're around a lot of people who are bringing you up, then it will become your attitude without you even
0: realizing it. Awesome. So, do you uh, apply these same skills to your uh, professional endeavors? I mean, um, uh, I mean, like your like entrepreneurial work that you're doing now. Uh, and was there ever a moment when you were just abroad by yourself and you felt like you were going to run out of money? Did you experience like doubts? You know, how did you handle all that?
1: Well, I definitely was scared of, of spending up all my money a lot, and that was probably like the first problem. To get over because that money can always be a stressor. But I live a pretty frugal lifestyle, so at some point I, I cut back to like $700 a month here. I wasn't drinking, I wasn't really going out when I was going out, I was performing, so it's really easy just to cut my costs. And then I kind of just kept track of it and gave myself, you know, just a number where it's like if it goes below this, then I'm gonna go back home. but. I wasn't even really thinking about that, to be honest. It was more just like I got to make this work, had a good attitude, um, and also I had a backup plan. If I had to, I could have teach, taught English. See, I definitely shouldn't be teaching because I can't even speak English. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my backup plan. If worst mm. came, worst case scenario, I could always go back and teach English and make money and at least survive here in Vietnam.
0: Was that but, pretty easy to do in Vietnam, to, to pick up English teaching gigs?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I just met a guy who runs a program um, helping people come here to, to learn English. He was telling me how there's such a huge market and like people don't realize how easy it is and how great the life is here in Vietnam for an English teacher.
0: Yeah. Um, so tell me about that. Tell me a little bit more. I mean, were, were you able to, to save money and, I mean, live comfortably? Yeah, you don't get paid as much as
1: if you were in Japan or China or Korea, but the cost of living here is so cheap you can make about twenty bucks an hour, and you can get by easily on a thousand. You know, I was getting by on seven hundred. If I would have like shared a room with a friend, I could have probably done five hundred or four hundred if I really needed to. And so at one point, I was paying my my bills. I think with eight dollars a week, I picked up private lessons for forty bucks an hour, and I was teaching eight dollars uh, a. Eight Sorry, eight hours a week, and that covered my entire monthly cost, and it gave me time to focus on other projects and try to make some other side money.
0: What was your rent like in those days? Uh, it $220.
1: It's not as cheap as Chiang Mai. Chiang Mai, I think, is the cheapest place in Southeast Asia to live. But <laughs> it's a big city, so it's it's got a lot of things. And had I been in Chiang Mai, this TV opportunity would never have fallen into my lap, so I'm pretty happy with where i ended up but it was kind of luck of the draw but if you're thinking about teaching english definitely don't overlook not even just saigon ho chi minh city in the south but also hanoi in the north of vietnam
0: yeah i know chiang mai um it's like 4500 baht, you know for your own place and that's like 125 dollars or something ridiculous uh (laughs) it's it's really cheap people don't even realize how cheap it is out here and um, just having the opportunities out here, like I don't think you know, you probably wouldn't have the same opportunity to be on a reality show if you were in the U.S. Um, but just being in Saigon, I mean, you're, you're you're a foreigner basically, so you have a much better opportunity there uh, by leaving, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. But yeah. I also think, at least for me, it was like once I traveled. I felt like I had no excuses not to follow my dreams and not to do everything that I wanted to do. But in the US, I had all these friends that wanted to do things that I wasn't really into. I had, you know, family and other commitments. I had all these different things that I kind of had become a part of my life just based on the environment I grew up in. So once I moved abroad, it was kind of like, all right, I'm starting from scratch. Like now I got to really be selective and figure out what I want
0: yeah that's a great point you about there so it's it's all contextual like you are in the society back home where you're looking at what your friends are doing with their lives and it's really nothing you know they go to a job and they, they burn their money afterwards on Friday night um, and you realize that wasn't for you and um, I know Malcolm Gladwell makes this point in the book uh, David and Goliath where uh, you know like poor countries like in Colombia um, you know places like this uh, Central America uh, everyone's, like, really happy even though they, they don't have a lot of money. And he says the reason is why is because we measure ourselves based on how well everybody else is doing, you know. So if if you're in a poor country and everybody else is poor, uh, you don't feel bad about it, you know. You, you feel like, oh, this is normal, this is natural, you know, I'll just be happy. But if, you know, it, we, we're really influenced by uh, the people that we surround ourselves by, our society, by our culture. And it seems like uh, when you traveled, you were able to kind of break free of that, I guess mediocrity would you say or just uh, yeah
1: i guess to bring it full circle when i was hmm. trying to figure it out after college like what do i want to do at the time i just figured okay i haven't met anybody who has the job that i want so what's the solution to that just meet as many people as possible try to seek out interesting people that are doing interesting things things that are outside of the box i never met an astronaut which would have been awesome. But I just started traveling and meeting new people. And every time I met them, I tried to think, okay, could I do that? Does he enjoy this? Does she enjoy that job? Could I see myself doing that? And then that eventually led me to meeting entrepreneurs, which made me realize that I wanted to emulate that lifestyle and be able to work online and travel and also own my own business. But still, I still think I'm going to change my mind probably within the next year and probably again within the next five years. So I'm not really set on anything.
0: Yeah, I know. For me, it was great because when I broke free from you know my circle of friends back home and you know all the things that I felt were holding me back, um, then I kind of replaced it with newer and better things. You know, like I met a lot of interesting people when I traveled, and I feel like now there's this kind of this community online. You know, when I go through my Facebook newsfeed and I, I see somebody's in like Sri Lanka or Venice or Milan or some place like this, you know, and or somebody just did a TED talk or you know, somebody's meeting with President Obama or, you know, something like all these really inspiring things. And it's like, I feel like it's holding me up to a new level than where I was by far, you know, like five, six years ago.
1: Definitely. And it's something that we like to call it positive peer pressure. It's like other people are traveling or building something big and important or working hard and it just makes you want to do the same.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's a total 180 from where I was before
1: right i think it's jim rome you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with and i think that's very true
0: yeah i think it's great being part of this community is uh has done a lot of really cool things for me and for everyone i'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes um so you mentioned uh you have on your, on your site it says that you have four income streams now are you, are you able to um, have you been making a good living for yourself doing these uh t v shows or you know how are you supporting yourself now
1: Yeah, well, I make money playing music okay that 's one and then I have um a Vietnamese t v show i 'm a i 'm the host and the teacher it 's a children 's show, and that pays a little bit not much, but I do it and between those two it p- covers rent and then some. And then with my freelance ventures, uh, I work as a copywriter, writer, and so I used to do video editing as well, but I think I'm going to stick with writing. And so between um contracts there, I freelance a couple skills. And that is what makes me most of my money now, but there's a while where I was just playing guitar and making money off of music here in Vietnam because it's you don't need that much
0: what have you learned about uh, marketing yourself? I know that you, you do a lot of branding and um, how do you get yourself out there and get clients for these gigs?
1: I think one thing is starting out by doing it for free and it's not like, hey, I got a client and as soon as he's about to pay me money, I'm like, hey, hey actually, this is free. But I'm talking about if you're gonna be, if you wanna be an editor, it's like start asking your friends and editing their stuff. Go on Medium and just start commenting on people and giving them grammar suggestions and start editing, you know? And then people will see you as an editor and let your work speak towards you, speak for you. And also just putting yourself out there, being vocal about it. You'd be surprised, like, for example, if your Skype handle is, hey, do you need an editor? Go to this link, put it at your Instagram feed. Tweet about it, Facebook, little things like that. If you have an existing network of people um, who are looking for this service, then little things like that have worked for me. But there's also Upwork. There's so many websites out there, competitions, you know, networking. There's plenty of routes you can go. But again, I would say the best thing to do is just dedicate 36 minutes a day, an hour a day, and every day just make progress.
0: Okay, cool. Anything else? Anything
1: else you want to offer? <laughs> um, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on finding finding clients. I happen to position myself in a city where there's a lot of people that were all looking for these things, a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs, people that are hiring. So just within my network, it was great. So if you can surround yourself with people that are looking for people to hire, then that's always a good sign. But also, I think just test it out. If you just talk to people and look for things that people need. You can kind of find ways to add value and when you can do that, people will compensate you for it. But it's also important to make sure that you understand business to a sense that you are aware that whether or not you want to do is going to make the business money. If it's something like illustration, for example, it may be fun for you, it's cool, but Unless you have a vision of how it's going to help this business make more money, then it's going to be difficult to find a ton of clients. That's been my experience.
0: Okay, cool. So just find ways to add value and uh, start doing your first few gigs for free. And uh, once you have something that people are interested in, then you can start to to charge for it uh, accordingly.
1: Right. But let me rephrase. You don't need to start for free. If people are going to pay you now, i would do it. But... Be willing to to start for free. Test the market. See if there's a demand for it first.
0: Okay, cool. And um, I had another guy in, on this podcast, uh, Grant Worley. I'm sure you probably know him. Uh, he mentioned a site, sohelpful.me, uh, where you can people can schedule a call to, I guess, get schedule a free consultation call, and you just basically give them value, and you can just say, Hey, you know, um, do you have any questions about this? Just you can schedule a time with me here. And I know there's one that I use called uh, clarity.fm and that, that's a great way to kind of just start doing uh, consulting or uh, just to start putting yourself out there and you can do it for free at first and then uh, see what kind of opportunities come from that. Right. That's true. Yeah. I
1: think those, those, those sites sound great. I actually haven't used them, but okay. it's a perfect way to test the market. But I would also say like don't be afraid to just like get yourself out there and say, hey, I'm the... SEO expert or like, hey, now I'm a graphic designer. It's like people aren't going to be tracking you thinking like, oh, I thought Jeremy was a musician. Now he's saying he's a graphic designer. Just like don't be afraid to change your mind and be vocal about it because you never know who needs what.
0: Okay, awesome. And there's, there's so many different groups out there and places where you can put yourself and platforms where you can promote yourself, I think. So... Um, you know, there's there's definitely no limit. So once once you get yourself out there, then you just kind of let the opportunities come, it seems like. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. So um, what's what's next for you? Tell me a little bit about your book and uh, where you're going from here. Your book is Faking Fame, right? That That's the title I'm going
1: with right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the original title was going to be Fuck Being Famous. But I actually... Lost a lot of sleep over this. I really think it's a cool title and I think it's catchy and I think like Buy Your Own Island. If you guys haven't read that, you got to pick that up. But <laughs> fuck, fuck being famous. It's just like – it rolls off the tongue. It's memorable. But I was just thinking to myself, do I really want to have a book with the F word in it? Like my grandma's going to ask me, oh, you're writing a book? What's it called? Am I going to like proudly – hold it to her face and just show her the cover and she'll be like, what is that? So basically I decided to change the name. So it's called Faking Fame. And it's a memoir about me going on this reality TV show, spending 25 days without English or being with a native speaker. And then my journey to Viet fame, as I call it, I wouldn't say I was like celebrity A-list status, but I was in a couple TV shows. Some of them went more viral than others, you know, a certain level of fame. And this book is a story about that and my journey to Vietnam and kind of realizing that being famous wasn't exactly as fun and fulfilling as I thought it would be.
0: When does the book come out?
1: That's a good question. <laughs> I've, actually, I've actually been battling with some headaches. Um, I get tension headaches and occasionally some migraines. So the past – I'm big on putting on self-deadlines. I think it helps you push forward, but recently I've been pretty sick. So I've just been taking it one day at a time, getting back to exercise, eating healthy. You know, The lesson learned here is health is number one. It doesn't matter what you're doing, how you're trying to do it. If you're not healthy, you're not going to get anywhere. So I'll probably hope to get the book out by this summer, but you'll have to stay tuned for that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm being real here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, well, if I go to your website, um, jeremyginsberg.com, I see an offer to uh, what, to get a free early copy, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, everybody will get it, get it for free if they're on my email list and they'll know exactly when it's out. And so if if, um, if you're that uh, anxious and you really want to know, Danny, <laughs> you can sign up. Otherwise, <laughs> I'll, I'll just shoot you a message when it's live. Otherwise, hopefully you'll know when it's live because I'll be tweeting and,
0: and writing about it everywhere so you'll know. <laughs> I'm curious to know what your experience has been like I want to hear these stories uh doing stand up comedy and just like about your lifestyle in vietnam um I mean, you've been there two and a half years right that's correct yeah so what's what's it been like i mean what what made you decide to to stay there uh for so long um I decided to stay
1: here for so long just because I've been happy, and if i I'm in a situation where I'm doing things I love and I see room for improvement and progress and making good, long-lasting relationships. I see no need to just break it off and, and escape and run away from it. So I've kind of just – I came here. I was teaching English. I quit after about four months and then trying to make some money, playing music. The music thing went well and I still do that. It's something I love. I play music every week. Uh, It's a bar called Broma. Every Tuesday we go. I don't have to promote it. I just show up, I play, I get to do what I love, and I get paid. And I also have gigs all around the country where I can travel for free essentially, play music, get paid, and have a paid vacation. I speak the language, so people treat me extremely nicely. I don't even, my English is so bad because I've been speaking Vietnamese. But I, I speak, I speak. Vietnamese, better than 99% of the white people, foreigners who live here. So I'm treated treated well. I can make people laugh. I can do comedy. I do things that I love. And I've got a great group of friends around me. So that's kind of what has kept me here. But the real question is how long will I be here? I have no idea. Sorry, Mom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what would you say has been the biggest factor in... Uh, you succeeding and creating a life for yourself and doing all the things that you've done versus uh, others who who might try this lifestyle out and uh, don't do so well. I think is
1: not overthinking things and not being afraid of failure. I kind of failed abroad. I went to Israel and I didn't have the best experience. Of getting fired from my job actually, but after that, it was, it was tough. You know, it hit me hard. But then I realized it's like, okay, so what? Like, am I gonna just like quit forever and just? find a job and not chase what I'm passionate about. And I've realized, no, it's like if you fall off the horse, just get right back up there. And once you develop that mentality and don't really care about what people think of you, it becomes much easier to go after new things. And you already love to suck because you've listened to this podcast. So at that point, it's just like go for it and don't be afraid of what's going to happen. I'm just
0: going to let that sink in there for a moment. <laughs> no, In a weird way? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, it's profound, man. I just wanted to, to let it let it sink into my, my being. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I hope I'm not going against your morals or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, well, awesome, man. I, we kind of rocked through this. Um, is there anything that uh, you want to tell people that I haven't asked? Something that I should ask you about that I haven't? I know it's kind of late. Uh, for us both tonight? Um, uh, no, I
1: think, I think you got it all. I mean, people can find more at my website, but um, I think if I had one last word, I'd rather empower people. I don't want to give a random plug for me or anything, you know? I'm not that cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I'm, I'm drawing a Blake here, but uh, I've, I've gone through all the questions I wanted to ask. Uh, so. Awesome. Let me, let me think. I, there was something on the tip of my mind but I, I wanted to ask you, but I, I just it slipped away. That's all right. I mean we can, we can talk about happiness because I, I think what, what you were talking
1: about with Malcolm Gradwell, that was really interesting because yeah. I observe cultures. My, my nickname, self-proclaimed nickname is the Culture Chameleon. So I'm really good at blending in and doing the customs and learning the language. So that was my original idea for a TV show, The Culture Chameleon. I go around the world living in crazy places, working strange And I've lived in in Ghana, West Africa, which is a very poor country. On these Vietnamese TV shows, I've gone and lived in very remote areas where these people have literally a small house and that's it, not access to much. And these people are so happy. And it makes me really think, like, what do these people have that the Western world is missing?
0: So Jeremy, before we kind of sign off, I mean, is there anything that um, we haven't covered on this interview that you feel like we should talk about that I should ask you about?
1: Um, I don't think anything about me in particular. But back to your point about Malcolm Gladwell's quote or whatever saying that you just compare yourself to who you're with. So happy people are around other happy people. And it doesn't really matter what material possessions they have and et cetera. I, I've definitely – that resonated with me because no matter where I've traveled to, I found that a lot of people in poor places are still happy and day-to-day life. They're excited and they smile. And maybe they don't have as many electronics and gadgets or they have a lack of water, electricity, and they don't have cars or nice things. But they're able to live a happy, peaceful, simple life. And I think that's one thing that I didn't grow up with. I always felt like I needed more fans, more fame, more money in order to be happy. But one thing I started doing is asking myself, will I be unhappy if I don't get this? Anytime I feel the need to do something or desire to have something and most of the time you'll find that the answer is no. You don't really need that much to be happy. I think it's more of a skill that you work on. So that's interesting. Maybe I'll have to just read, read the rest of the book and see if all the answers are there.
0: <laughs> so so basically it's about you don't have to achieve to be happy. You can happily achieve.
1: That's that's well put. You just summed up what I said in a long time. and. S- Short sentence. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I'm quoting Tony Robbins there, so I can't take credit right. for that one. Even better, you memorized his quote, like. <laughs> yeah, well, he because I had an old uh, audio CD. It's really funny. I was, I was going to be a roommate to this guy. Uh, I ended up not taking the, the room, but he gave me. He had all these free, like all these Tony Robbins uh, tapes because he was working with Tony Robbins, and he gave them to me. And I remember listening to that, and he said that. Um, you know, he was talking with one guy who makes half a million dollars a year, but he's like an investment baker and uh, he thinks he's not successful because he has to make $1 million a year, you know, so he hasn't reached that yet. And he said, this is crazy thinking, you know. Um, and he says that, you know, you're you're successful at something. If you uh, give your best effort and you learn something from it, then you're successful. There's no standard for failure if you do that that way. And it, it was basically just like a lesson in – um, how you frame things and how you can joyfully take action without fear of failure um, without the need to be dependent on the outcome and just realize that you know, I'm just having fun I'm just going to give it my best effort I can laugh at myself and um, I'm still going to gain something from this either I'm going to succeed or I'm going to learn something really important
1: yeah man, it's a great attitude to adapt
0: and it sounds like that's, that's kind of your philosophy in life too
1: I try. I try to keep up. <laughs> I don't have my own island yet, but we'll see.
0: <laughs> well, there was, a guy, there was a guy in the Caribbean who uh, built an island out of trash, you know, so that's another possibility. Is, is, know, that what is that what your book's about? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> the, it's, 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 the island hack. It's, it's about if – you, if you can't afford to buy your own island yet, there is actually a floating island off the coast of Mexico um, out of found objects that a guy had built. So, it just goes to show you that, you know, if you're creative, you don't have to have uh, a lot of money to make a dream come true. That's true. So, <laughs>
1: That's I, sad. I hope more
0: islands like that don't
1: don't develop over
0: time. Well, no, no, it's it's actually it's quite interesting. It's I'm uh I'm I'm drawing a blank on the name here. I'm trying to see if I can Google well, it. First. Is it like a real
1: island like he built it from recycled trash or it's just so much trash that it came together <laughs> and it's big enough that people are calling it an island?
0: No, no, it's it's actually like an artistic um it's Oh. Like, it's okay. Joy Joy-C Island. Uh J O Y X E E Island. I just Googled that and um it's made out of 150,000 recycled bottles, and uh, he kind of built, like, a, a settlement on there, or maybe, like, a house, I believe. Uh, so so anyway, it's not on my book, but I, I interviewed another guy in this podcast. Um, he wrote a book called How to Live for Free, and he was the one who introduced me to uh, the guy who actually built his own island, uh, this place, Joyksi Island. So anyway, I digress a lot, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's awesome, though. He built, yeah. That's
1: that's cool. Anything is possible. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jeremy, for being on this uh, podcast. Can't wait to listen to the uh, – I can't wait to read the book. And uh, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So if someone wants to check out more from you, where should they go? They could check out my
1: website, jeremyginsberg.com, G-I-N-S-B-U-R-G. There's no E. So they can – See what I'm up to there. I got videos and blog posts coming out and, of course, the book.
0: Okay, cool. And send us some links to uh, some of your videos and stuff. You have some, some pretty funny stuff here.
1: Of course, yeah. Is it cool to put some of those in the show notes?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All
1: right. yeah, yeah, if you guys want to see some of the Vietnamese reality TV shows I was on, but I'll tell you right now there's no English, so it'll be hard to understand, but <laughs> I'll post some, sure.
0: Well, thank you for inspiring the rest of us and uh, sharing what you've learned with us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. You too. You're an inspiration to me and
1: many others and people building islands and buying islands worldwide. So thanks for doing (laughs) what you're doing as well.
0: All right. Thanks, Sammy.